and action. It's like Sweet. reminds me of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, part three when they're doing the hypnotized. Did you ever, did you watch like Nightmare on Elm Street at all? I've seen a couple of them. Oh, okay. But I didn't, I didn't like horror movies. Oh, movie. really? Wow. I they, well, I had bad dreams. You did? They gave me bad dreams. Did you ever watch Poltergeist? I did. Yeah. That was a scary one. That was a scary one. Yeah. Uh, did they make a remake of Poltergeist? There's three of them. Remakes? Oh, yeah, they did do or a remake. So there was three of the originals. There's three of the originals. The little blonde girl, right? Yeah, who passed away. Did she really? Yeah, Heather I didn't know that. York, yeah, they call it the curse of Poltergeist. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah. Why? What did multiple people die playing multiple that role? Multiple people died. So there was um, so many deaths associated with the movie that they thought. You know, they were messing with something in the movie that they shouldn't have been like filming or recording or, you know, talking about, you know, crossing over into another whatever it was in the movie. But yeah, so apparently the, a lot of people thought that it was taboo for them to be filming what they were doing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the Superman curse. Tell me more about that. I feel like you I don't, don't know, know about the Superman, Superman curse. No. no. Well, everybody, something terrible happens to all of them. Wasn't like one of them murdered or something, the original. Christopher Reeves was paralyzed. Yeah. So that one I know. Then there was, but like, there's a whole slew of them. Look it up, Tyler, so we can see what they all are. There's, yeah, I don't remember what happened to each one, but like the first like four Supermans. Oh, wow. Are like, what's that say? So it's basically like a poltergeist curse, but. Superman. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, related to a bunch of misfortunes that have plagued the creative people involved. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, there's a whole list of them, right? Yeah. What happened to the first one? Which is Kirk. Kirk. Failed to find work. Uh, Lee Quigley. Alzheimer's. Died from Alzheimer's. George Reeves. What happened to George? Something happened to George. Which is interesting. He's not related to Christopher at all. That's so weird. He was found dead from a gunshot wound in his home. Yep. And then Christopher fell off a horse and broke his neck. Wow. <laughs> and then there's Marlon what Marlon Brando, alleged victims. Oh my God. Margot. He suffered greatly from suicide. Um there was a shooting. Yeah. A lot of death. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of death around the Superman. Yikes. The Supermans. Yowzes. Yeah. Yeah, I think people just make shit up around movies because they wanted to, you know how it goes, to do something else. Some Hollywood magic they're adding to the, remember Blair Witch Project when that first came out? I fucking hate that movie. I know you hate horror, but. No, I just hate that movie specifically. Well, in general though, the hype around it was the way they marketed it that. It was true. They were making it seem like this was true. Yeah, well that was the thing. It's like everybody. Everybody hypes that movie because they say it was made for like $13,000 or whatever. Yeah. But they don't ever talk about the like $1.5 million that went into the marketing of it. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think they did make a decent amount of money. They did. They made a right? ton like, of money yeah. out. They made like $14, 15000000 million off of it or something like that, even more. Um, But the reality is that the movie itself may have been made for thirteen grand, and when you watch it, you know it's garbage, but the marketing campaign, which is also still part of the budget to make their money back, mm-hmm. was over a million dollars. So crazy. I mean, 
even I remember watching the VMAs then the following year and I was like, Oh wait, no, there they are showing up for like the red carpet. Yeah. They were not real. That was not yeah, a real that was not a real story. Yeah. They pitched it as a documentary. That's why it did so well. And then they tried to make a part two, which is just funny because then everybody found out. And I think Blair Witch came out. How long was it between Blair Witch and The Sixth Sense? Because I feel like they were like right. I think they were like right there at the same time. Yeah, it was around the same time frame for sure. Because The Sixth Sense, what's interesting about The Sixth Sense is that everybody kept the secret. Mm. Like nobody like put out spoilers on that movie. Yeah. Like if you saw it like three months later after it came out, nobody told People you. were still quiet about it. They that. were still quiet about the twist end. Say his name M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. 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 Yeah. He always, I just feel like his movies have always been so, uh, what was the one where they were in uh, the color of which we do not speak? Do you, uh, you, again, you don't watch horror movies though, so I feel like- No, I watch them now. Okay. But the color in which we do not speak. So uh, something about the color red, they were in a village, and then they had like something. I think it was dressed. called The Village. Okay, there it is. There's it was called The there. Village. Yeah. Yeah. I love clever stuff like that. I feel and like then, that's so much but fun. But Unbreakable was one of his better ones. The Sixth oh, Sense yeah. is obviously his best. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, Signs was pretty good. I just saw the most recent one too, which was when they were on the beach. It's actually not the most recent one no. of his, oh, no. but that is recent. More recent. That one was... Uh, I forget what it was called. Life? Death? Something. Death. Where they were dying yeah. fast. Yeah. Because they kind of... Well, I think everybody goes to his movies expecting a twist, and then when they mm-hmm. don't get one, yeah. they get really pissed. They get disappointed. They're like, Spash, yeah. where's the twist? Yeah. But he's had several... Like, un- the Unbreakable series in general is really good. Yeah. Unbreakable, Glass. Um, I love it. Split. Stuff. Yeah. I think it's all super great. Like... Yeah, it's always entertaining. Going back to um, kind of documentary style things, did you ever watch The Real World at all? MTV's The Real World. Some of it, not a ton of it. Okay, yeah, I was big a big fan of that. Like just kind of that reality television vibe that came out around that time, which was uh, maybe like the early '90s, right? Yep. Um, but there was something really fascinating about. Was it early '90s? I think it was late '90s. No. Was it early '90s? Was it like '94? I think, yeah, like mid-90s. So Let's mid-90s? go mid-90s, yeah. But, you know, they started off with New York. They moved yeah. to, what, London, maybe onward Boston and Hawaii and all the other places they went. But I just feel like that was just such a popular starter off to oh, yeah. reality television at the time, which I think now has progressed was, in, like, so many different ways. Yeah, I think that was the OG that was reality the, yeah, show. Like, you know? I don't, then they started making more of them. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, also to think about film in general too so if you ever watched madonna's truth or dare she kind of went with that formula as well for behind the scenes yeah so just i feel like i'm fascinated by reality what was the jenny mccarthy show the game show that she did oh my god i don't remember she did that was mtv right yeah Yeah. that was mtv but um where it was like a bunch of people and it was like an elimination challenge of some sort I think it was like a dating show, wasn't yeah, it? Something yeah. like that. And then she actually had her own, the Jenny McCarthy show. Yeah. So then that was, that was but like that was different. Comedy, that was like right? a comedy show. Yeah. But she had a game show first. Yeah. Well, I had such a crush on that woman. Jenny McCarthy. Was it single? I think it was like yes, single, single out. out. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. like the saying was, "It's the Jenny McCarthy show" or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, totally. But I, you know, I love, I loved MTV growing up. I feel like that was, you know, obviously it doesn't exist in the way it 
You can't tell from looking at you. Like, I know, right? Because I'm totally 80s, right? <laughs> like when I was picking out this outfit today, um, again, it's a horror movie, but The Lost Boys, did you ever watch that with- Tons, yeah, it's okay. a great movie. So this is like very Corey Feldman, which is what- It is very You know, Corey like that Feldman. 1980s like look. I'm just really vibing. There are another two that were cursed. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Yeah, the yeah. Corys. Remember all the Corys, oh. License to Drive? Oh, yeah. All of their movies. I mean, yeah. it was so pop. But Lost Boys definitely was one of my, you know, favorite Lost movies growing up. And just Goonies. You're one of us, Niall Michael. Like that was just like the best. You know? Yeah, Goonies too. Like yeah, Goonies was great. So many good. Yeah, Lost Boys is one of the one of the greats. So many good classics. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, we haven't had a lot of creativity lately in terms because. There's so many people that are remaking those movies, the ones that we know about. Do you do you feel that at all? It's hard to say. First of all, the film industry is a business. Yeah. So they're gonna play it safe. They want they the can. money. So they want yeah, the money, totally. right? So they're gonna keep yeah. remaking stuff that they know people will go see that they can. Yeah. But to say that there's not creativity, I don't think that that's true. I just think that the cost of entry right is well, it's higher not, now it's not landing where so it's it a lot easier to put creative stuff out there yeah on social media and youtube and other streaming platforms like that yeah where it can be self-promoted and self-produced mm -hmm. so there's a ton of creative creativity happening there but the studio system is still in play yeah and the studio system includes the streaming platforms like netflix hulu uh, Paramount Plus, Apple, those are all studios now. Like we can't, you it's can call them streaming, but right. they, like they're all yeah. the same family now. Like they're just the new guy making the rules of the streaming platform. Where you don't necessarily have to go to a movie theater to right. watch what, what is coming what's out. What's coming out. Yeah. So I think there's creativity out there. I just think there's only what, like seven stories? Is that what it is? I think it's there's seven stories that can be told. Tell me about that. And then it's, I don't know all of them off the top of my head. Can we bring them up? There's, I know one's the hero's journey, okay, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's the there's a love story, but I don't know which way it goes. There's a tragedy of comedy. Yes. The do we have all seven of them? Um, I mean, be I may be just butchering them all too. Honestly, I don't know. I think you got the right vibe. Though. I just know that they're, yeah, there they are. There, there it is. is. Overcoming the monster. Yep. Um, Rags to Riches, The Quest, which is the Hero's Ver, uh Voyage and Return, Comedy, Tragedy, and Rebirth. Wow. Right? So those are the seven stories. Yeah. Right? So when you have these seven stories, now what's the difference in all the stories? The characters. Mm -hmm. It's the people. It's it's what do the people do the and, and how do they, how do you tell these stories in a creative way? And the struggle is when these seven stories were originally told back in, you know, Shakespearean time, mm -hmm. the seven stories were created and they were a traveling show that went around town to town. Yep. And then even when film started and TV started, like, when it first came out in the early 1900s, it was like, okay, very few people could go see a picture show. And it was like this big event. And you went like once in a great while, you could go see a movie. And when the movie came to your town or to your space or wherever you were, then you could see that movie. 
So now everybody with their phones and everything else wants instant access. And then once the internet came, everybody started bootlegging everything, right? So, so once crazy. bootlegging started, yeah. every movie under the sun has to compete with, okay, how long can we keep it and make money off of it before it gets to the bootleggers? Right. And everybody, and when it was DVDs, they would sell DVDs on the corner and- Oh yeah, and the, whole, the whole process of it. Right, yeah. they, so they would do all that. So the creativity behind making something is still there. People are still being creative and people are still finding ways to create, whether it be a podcast or it be a streaming show or it be, I mean, basically if you're a YouTuber for mm. the most part, most of them are reality TV shows. Totally. If totally. you're if you're an influencer, you're just a reality TV star. Working with your phone. Right. That's yeah. all you're doing. Yeah. Like you're just producing your own reality show. And if you're entertaining enough and people you get picked find up. you fascinating enough, they'll follow you and they'll watch you and they'll be involved in your life in some way, shape, or form. Totally. But the mainstream media still has a say in who gets to go to the next level. Totally. And I think I definitely, you know, the creativity is there a hundred percent, but it's the powers that be that are kind of the gatekeepers yeah. to that creativity that are they letting the new fresh ideas, the new blood come in right? or are they, you know, recycling, you know, formulas that have proven to be successful. Well, even look at like a million views now is nothing. Right. Like a million views used to be like this phenom of like, oh my God, you got a million views. That's amazing. Not anymore. Now if you get a, now you need 20 million views. Totally. To crack into the mainstream. Yeah. It's wild. Right? So it's, there's creativity happening. It's just happening in different ways. Yeah. Right? There's, and then you have, you have these performers, right? You have these performers on the internet that are performing shows by themselves as different characters. Like they're dressing up. Mm -hmm. Like I could do a podcast by myself. Totally. Right. And people would be totally into it. Like yeah. I could literally do one half of the interview and then the other and half. then do the other and half different and just cut it together. Be all set. And people would just be like, oh yeah, that's did you see the guy that does the podcast by himself? That's him and well, his twin I brother. Love, I love it. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. But it's that thing where and on the internet, there's gonna be a bunch of people that hate you and there's gonna be a bunch of people that love you. So the cost of entry becomes how much can you take? Right. Like how much fucking abuse can you take right. before you snap? Do you have thick skin? Can you handle this? Yeah, because right. it becomes really about that at a certain point. Like, Because right. people want to shit on you, right? Even with this podcast, right? I get yeah. shit on a lot. Do you? Oh, all the time. Really? I kind of enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. Oh, shit. I'm very petty and I enjoy trolling the trolls. Okay. Well, I mean, that's. And I enjoy engaging with the people that actually want to engage with me of as well course. and have a conversation. But it's meaningful content. That's right. the thing, right? So, I think so. But I think so too. I've seen it. For me, I, I enjoy the conversations. Yeah. And this is a good way to meet new people or have people on that I respect or that I'm interested in knowing more about. And no phones, no interruptions. Just us having a conversation. And if somebody else finds value in that conversation, that's great. Like, I'm 44 years old. Totally. I've I've done a lot in my 44 years. Many right? lives many lives have been lived. You know, yeah. Like, in terms I've, of, like, different things or, or growth periods that we've had or, you know, music. For me, like, thinking, like, my music stuff, you know, my PR stuff or, you know, whatever else. All the different things I've done. Food stuff. 
Um, but I feel like so happy the fact that I've lived so many different lives and have had so many different adventures along the way. Right. You know? So what are you doing now? Right now I'm the senior community manager for Yelp, Connecticut. So I get to help local businesses. I plan events and promotions with them. Um, it is a pretty amazing job. I get to go on the news. I get to create and put together um, showcases on different types of food and go to the different news stations. I do something called the One Dish Challenge with Renee Danino. Super fun. So we do that. We invite a business to come in and you know we'll put their food out in front and we'll interview the business owner. So I just feel like everything I'm doing is really helping to support local and um, you know helping people get noticed or raise awareness about it. Okay. What was your job title? Senior community manager. Senior community manager. Yeah. Which is, you know, basically senior. the one man show at the end of the day, you know, uh, yes. which, you know, SCM. I mean, you know that feeling. Yeah. SC, I'm sure. Uh, but there's, you know. So what is. We, we have, we wear many hats though in our roles. How do you get that job? Well, I mean, I went to school for public relations and I have a minor in journalism. Also, I was a server uh, for 17 years. Uh, so I think having a combination of those two skill sets, uh, where we're going out to local businesses and restaurants, I feel very at home and very comfortable, uh, in kitchens. And I feel, you know, I, I at the events that I'm helping to do, um, I'm clearing plates and I'm doing all the stuff, you know, you were a server as well. So, yeah, you know, 20 it's, years. In, it's instinctual, uh, you know, when you see a dirty table, you're just going to start picking up plates and. Uh, cleaning things. So uh, I think that's kind of like where my experience came from, uh, which is a really good formula, I think, because, you know, for Yelp, um, you know, like you said, too, for your podcast, um, you know, there's going to be the haters, there's going to be the people that support what it is and see the value in it. Um, but I think because I've experienced both sides of the spectrum, being a server, you know, and kind of doing PR and doing all of the stuff that I do now, um, I think it's been a really good blend for me to do, succeed. So do people still use Yelp? Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a national, it's a, it's worldwide. Uh, you know, you could really go on and search for anything on Yelp and, uh, you know, you could see kind of a live slice of what they have to say about something on there. And so, yeah, in general, in life too, you're going to have people that are super supportive and there's going to be, you know, maybe the people that or the concerned citizens that feel that they need to, uh, you know, warn someone about something or, um, but I think for me, I'm more positive all the time. So I'd rather someone come to my Yelp page to look at where to go to, as opposed to where to not go to. But I you think that's- your, Wait, people can have their own Yelp page? Oh yeah, we have our own, everybody, yeah. I mean, you have to have your own Yelp profile page in order to leave reviews. Uh, so in order to do that, you have to create, you know, you put your picture up, You'll answer some questions on the side, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I don't think I've used Yelp a lot. I mean, and there was definitely a phase when everybody was using Yelp. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's 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 highly used still. Um, and I I get to you know be the Connecticut Yelp guy. So there's my role is in 86 different metros or states all over the United States, and there's one of us per per state or metro. Okay. Which is cool. So I feel lucky again to, you know, have something that. So you go all over the state. All over. Yeah. And it's your job to do what exactly? Help promote and support 
local, help celebrate local. So businesses will reach out to me or I'll reach out to businesses if, if they've just started and, um, you know, we'll create promotions for them. We do that with social media. We do that with um, different events that we put together or experiences and it's all no cost to the business. So it's really awesome. You know, they love it. So does Yelp have its own page per metro slash state or does it one Yelp across the board? Like even on social. So like if I wanted to search. Yeah, you could go on Instagram, search Yelp Connecticut. You'd find the page for specifically Yelp Connecticut. And you run yeah. that page? Yes. Yeah. Super okay. fun. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Yelp Connecticut. Or go to my page, Alex B. Taylor One. You'll see a lot of stuff. It all kind of ties in because yeah. I feel like it's a lifestyle job. You know. So how did you decide Yelp was what you wanted to do or did it just kind of come up? Um, so I had been working with high school kids prior to this for about close to 10 years. And we would go into high schools and talk about topics that were important to them. So picture a teenage talk show, if you will. So we would talk about racism, peer pressure, stereotypes, you name it. What they wanted to talk about, we would. Who's the, we? Uh, what Say that again. Who's we? What they wanted to talk about or... You said we so, would talk about, was it we, you and my, them? So, uh, well, yes to that, but also too, I had a, um, like a co-facilitator as well. So part of like what I was doing was facilitating the conversation, but I had a co-person up there with me as well. Um, so super fun. There was two of us, but I was, I guess, you know, the lead program manager at the time. So again, a program manager, super fun. Um, but we would, you know, have those conversations and they were really awesome in person. We would go to schools all over Connecticut and it would be about 200 kids at a time, 10 kids from 10 different schools, you know, like we would mix it up really well. And the pandemic came. So when that happened, you know, bringing all of those students together all at once was basically a recipe for Corona disaster. Yep. So it got shut down really quickly. Um, and then we switched to Zoom, which then lost a little bit of its. So did you, you know, create magic. that program? I didn't create it. No, uh, it was created actually in 1992 by Richard and Doris Sugarman, who um, are part of the you know created the Connecticut Forum, which uh, puts together four different things at the four different forums at the Bushnell every every year, and they've been doing that now for over, you know. So you would go 30. in there, and what would the conversation look like? For the high school version? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, racism, peer pressure, stereotypes. We would create uh, discussion guides where we knew, like, kind of questions we were going to start with. What but were then, some of the questions? Oh, my God. It was different for every, you know, different for every forum that we did, every youth forum. So, um, you know, it, well, we started off with a culture of validation for every meeting, which What's was which was really awesome. So it's kind of guidelines that they put together to say like, here's the rules for when we're engaging in this conversation together. So we respect everybody in the room. You know, we can agree to disagree. Don't yuck my yum. All of the, you know, like there was 10 or 12 different, you know, statements that, and of course you could add in, you know, whatever you wanted to, but we would start there. And then, you know, we would start off with a base question. So really it would just depend on uh, what was going on at the time, or if there was an incident in the school or, you know, just, it, it really would, there was some t planning that went into it, you know, in terms of that. Interesting. Yeah, it was super, it was super fun. But then, of course, the pandemic comes. Yeah. So we can't meet in person anymore. It loses a little bit of its magic. Yeah. Of, 
you know, helping kids be able to talk when they needed to. Um, and how many kids were in the session? It could be up to 200 for certain ones. And then for the big one we did every year, it was about 300 kids all at once. So, and again, they're from high schools all over Connecticut, which was, it was a really awesome job. I mean, I loved it. It was close to 10 years of my life doing that. And uh, I feel like, you know, we were able to make a difference in what we were doing, going out to the schools. That's cool. Yeah. Felt good. It was a fulfilling kind of job. Yeah. Didn't pay. It was a nonprofit. So, uh, you know, you have your ups and downs when it comes to, you know, is a job really awesome <laughs> or does it pay really well? Like, do you ever feel like that sometimes? Well, that's the funny thing about nonprofits, isn't yeah. it? That yeah. they're not actually nonprofit. They're not profit at the end of the year, but right. they're not nonprofit yeah. for employees that want to be paid. Right. For owners of the nonprofit. Yeah. Like money has to come from somewhere and it has right. to go somewhere. And the reality is how good can something actually be if you're not paying people? You get what you pay for. Right. Right. And I get a lot of shit because I like to post shit that triggers people. But the reality is yeah. is I do my best to take care of the people that work with me. Yeah. Right? Totally. So my goal is always to make sure that they are healthy and happy and taken care of because the healthier and happier and the more taken care of they are, the better quality the work's going to be. Mm -hmm. Right? But if you have somebody that has a bad attitude or is bringing down the team or bringing down the morale or is just doing the base minimum bare minimum the yeah. bare yeah. minimum yeah. of their job description and being like well that's what you pay me for you pay me to be here at nine you pay me to leave at five i'm not getting paid before that or after that so i'm not doing anything else and yeah the reality is here that's not true here you're getting paid to do work it's you're like whether you're here late or early we work it out to figure out because everybody here's salary mm -hmm. so you figure it out and we make sure that nobody's overworked and we make sure that if you are going over 40 hours, we want to make sure that you're taken care of. We want to make sure that you're either getting supplemental days off somewhere else. So instead of, so, you know, for example, if here, if say you get sick last week, I give you paid time off for yeah. your sick day. Say I give you, I give 10 to 12 here, depending on how Love long it. you've been. Yeah. But say you're here and you have your 10 sick days and you get sick for five of the five days, right? And you miss an entire week because you've been sick. I'm not going to judge you for being sick. I might question why you got sick. And I might say something like, man, you got to take better care. And if you yeah. keep getting sick, I'm going to look at you and say, Hey, look, we have to look at your health. Like totally. we have to look at what you're putting in your body. We have to look at what you're doing. We have to look at your sleep. Like, cause this isn't about you doing more productivity for me mm -hmm. necessarily as much as it's, Hey, if you're healthier and you're happier and you're doing better, the work is going to show and then you're going to flourish more and you're going to have a better life. Totally. I want you to have the best version of your life. I want you to build a life you don't want a vacation from. I appreciate that. I feel like that's just such a good mentality in terms of, of someone who's hiring people and, you know, having them work for you. Thanks. You know, that's really amazing. So basically what I was trying to say is if you get sick, say you, you get sick on a, on a Tuesday. I give you the option of like, hey, you could work extra hours that week yeah. to get that PTO back. Cover it, yeah. Right? So instead of you losing a PTO day that you might want to take a vacation for, figure you have an eight-hour day. 
right? So if you work three hours twice, this three extra hours, if you stay till eight o'clock twice this week, I'll give you your PTO day back. Yeah. Because that's six hours of work. I love that. Right? I love that. And I like you're going to get a lunch break during your eight hour day and you're going to have an hour to fuck off and take breaks and do yeah. stuff. So I figure if you give me six hours mm-hmm. additional this week, you earn a day back. Right. So that way you're not spending your PTO and I'm not necessarily paying overtime for your time to be made up. I love that. Right. So So we're like a lifestyle job as well. Then, Right. We're trying to find a balance where it's like, okay, look, this is what we can afford to pay you. We want to make sure that you have time off to do the things you want to do and enjoy your life. Right. Like I would love for you to go on a week's vacation somewhere and go do this thing. Yeah. but And you might get sick for 10 days throughout the year. So I, it's not a charity. I can't pay you totally. the extra five days. But on your sick days, if you make them up, so you get sick on a Tuesday and you want to come work on a Saturday in the same week, then that creates balance. Because in my business, I need the work done now. Yeah. Like you can't make up the day off three weeks from now because- yeah. I don't need it then. Like I need the work now because so, we're delivering content in real time. And project based in a way. And right? project like, based in yeah. a way, right? Okay. So yeah. that creates this this ability for you to have a salary job that's super flexible. Love it. But then you also need to be here nine to five for most of the days because a lot of our clients are nine to five. So we need somebody here in case a client says calls up and says, hey, we need a video of this or, hey, do you have any photos of this? Or, hey, do you have any content that we can make for this event we're having in two days. If you're here, I can say, hey, go do this thing. Yeah. If you're not here, then, then I can't. miss. Right. And, miss I, and then I'm not fulfilling my vow to my clients. Right? So I have to fulfill my vow to my employees, and I have to fulfill my vow to my clients. Totally. And then I have to fulfill my vow to myself. Right? Because right. I still have to take care of me and all of that as well. So, and if I don't take care of these people and those people, I can't take care of me. Totally. Right? Because if these people quit because they're not happy and these people quit because they're not happy, then that falls on me. I'm the common denominator. Well, I mean, uh, you know, from my perspective, from what you're saying right now, I think you're you're coming across as a very kind person, though, in terms of like the mentality about it. I, I mean, do you do you consider like do you feel like you that that mentality is you being kind to everybody? Like, I don't I mean, in life, there's going to be. You so know, I I'm a big words guy. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the words that get compared a lot are nice and kind. Mm. I am not a nice person, yep. but I am a kind person. That's what I'm picking up. Right? So yeah. I am very blunt. Yeah. I am very much, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not yeah. going to give you that. Like if, if you're a person that shows up for work and you work nine to five and you show up at nine and then you take your breaks when you want to take your breaks yeah. and you take your hour lunch and then you leave right at five o'clock. And if I ask you for help and I say, hey, I need your help on this project. Can you do it? And you always say no to me. Then when you come to me for a raise, I'm going to look at you and say, why should I do that? Yeah. Like you do the bare minimum. This is what, like, I'm fine with you working here. And when you're up for a review in the, at the end of the year, if you've done everything you're supposed to do and you're pleasant to be around and the rest of the team likes you, that's great. Then you'll get yeah. the standard increase of yeah. of wage based on inflation. However, 
if you want more than that or you hear that your coworkers are getting more than you, then that's not on me. That's on you. Yeah. You had the opportunity to do more because I also give commissions on bringing in new clients. Oh, see, that's I awesome. also give yeah. bonuses based on performance and effort. We also do a bunch of team stuff. Like every year we go to a Jets game because I'm a Jets fan. Love it. So we go to a Jets Pats game because we're in New England. Yeah. So if you're not a you know, if you're not a New York fan, then you're a Pats yeah. fan. And if you're not a football fan, it's fun because we go coaches club. And Coaches Club has this huge buffet and it has field access. So it's this whole experience for the entire day. So it becomes this fun thing. Right. We also do other stuff. Like we do a lot of charity stuff. Like yesterday I was in a charity golf tournament for the little league that burden sponsored. I love that. So we're constantly finding ways to do stuff together. And like, even a couple of weeks ago, we went, I went to a Celtics game, like the day up, I was mm -hmm. like, Hey, we should go to this Celtics playoff game. And I invited everybody that worked here to go. Yeah. They all turned me down, Oh, but it was literally like oh. the game was at eight o'clock and it was two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, man, we're getting tickets for this game. You guys want to go? And they're like, Oh, I got to do this. or I got to do that. I don't want to do it. But I offered them tickets. Like, but isn't it, you know, I want to say that that's really kind of a cool vibe, though, that you you just sent out, though, like where it's kind of like, hey, we're going to do something. It's going to be in the next like two hours. Can you do it? Like, I feel like that differentiates like different types of people in the world. Like there could be the ones that are like, hell, yeah, let's go. Or there's going to be people that are like, oh, I don't know. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I, you know, I really got to think about this before I say yes to it. But I feel like for me and maybe you we're more of like, let's just go. Let's well, do it. Like, let's, mentality. right? Like, you know, like, let's, let's go. That's that half you know? a degenerate still left in. Well, but you know, I just think it's more of like, you know, in life, if you take chances in general, sometimes. Well, it's about doing spontaneous fun stuff. And again, like they're not coming out of their pocket to do it. Right. Right. Like I'm offering it How? out of the company. The price is like, right. I mean, in my book. This is right. Like, so, right. like, come on. But my point is, is that do like, it. we, I try and keep everybody engaged with each other and like, so Monday's a holiday. Yeah. A holiday that traditionally we wouldn't take off, right? Yeah. It's Memorial Day. Yeah. Like that's not, every business doesn't get that holiday. That's a banker's holiday as far as I'm concerned. That's banks and schools, right? That's a state state job holiday. Right. Right? So we wouldn't, and if we have too much work to do, we have too much work to do. So it's Monday now. I told them, I was like, look, if we get all the work done by Friday that we need done, we can just take Monday off. Yeah. Right? And I pay for my holidays off. Like if I offer a day off, it's paid. Yeah. If you take a day off, as long as it falls in your PTO, it's paid. But if you've used all your PTO and I'm not the one offering the time off. That's it. You're SOL. Then, right. Then you don't get paid. Yeah. You're SOL. And I think that that's more than fair. Yeah. No, I, I agree. hundred percent. Right. Then you have, you know, you have the, this, a bunch of the younger kids that are coming into the workforce that are like, oh, well, businesses tell you that they're, that you're family, but when you ask them for time off, they give you a hard time or they, mm. well, how much time, one, how much time are you asking off? Yeah. Like, is it, is this a regularly occurring thing where you're asking a few times a month to take extra days off? Or is this like a rare once a quarter, you're like, Hey, this thing is coming up. Do you think I could take this day? And then you also have to look at what you're doing for a job. And also you have to look at the structure of a family. When I say this is a family, I'm going to treat all, you like family. And we all that means have to I'm gonna, take care of each other. We all have to take care of yeah. each other, but I'm also going to give you a fucking hard time. Well, but meaning they also have to help you right. as well, right? So it just can't, you know. It can't it be one-sided. It's reciprocal, right? It's like reciprocal. It should be reciprocity. But right? there's, But there's the, like, 
if my mom, when I was a kid, yeah, asked me to do something and I didn't do it, she'd bust my ass about right. it. Right. I'd get in trouble. There was a consequence for that. There's no difference in work. Like I look at people that work for me as family in the sense of like, if it's a family structure and I'm the boss, then that means I'm the parent and I have to set the rules and boundaries. Yes. Right? So I have to take care of my kids, even though they're not kids. Yeah. And I have to structure it that way and be like, okay, well, I have to hold you accountable. I have to hold you accountable for your behaviors. So if you're constantly asking for time off and you're constantly getting sick, then I have to look at it from my perspective and go, okay, why are you getting sick all the time? Are you unhealthy? Are you not taking care of yourself? Are you like, what is happening in your world? Are you not taking your vitamins? Right. Like What's it's, up? it's all that stuff, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, totally. I and, mean, have, have you heard of this? I, I may have just recently heard this. Um, the 80, 20 in terms of like work where 80% of the workers that you work with will do just enough to get by. But then there's like the 20% that really go up and above and and kind of like rock it out and are, are the hardcore people that work for you. Yeah, I believe that. Would you say that lines up? I think that that lines up in most. The 80-20. In most businesses. Yeah. I think I'm trying to build a business where that doesn't occur. Where you have like a legit hundred. Like we have a legit hundred. Yeah. Like I want a hundred percent participation. Yeah. And that's where our turnover comes in is it comes from people that, are very entitled. Our in, yeah. our turnover comes into either a, you can't hack the speed and pace of our business. Yep, and it's overwhelming for you, so you need to get out because you want to do something that's less stressful on you. Yeah, which I that's perfectly acceptable. I accept that, and if you want to, give, yeah, we all make our own choices. Yeah, like, you know, you, like, like this is, and then there is the entitled people. Yeah, that think that they're owed more. Yeah, that twelve paid days off a year is not enough. Sure. Like that's two yeah. that's two and a half weeks like if you take 12 yeah. consecutive days yeah. off there's two weekends in there yeah I, you know I, I like you could literally be off for a half a month right and that's not enough well i think for me the way i look at it is you know having a lifestyle job and i would say it's probably a lifestyle job for you too in terms of like you could work from 8 p.m to one o'clock in the morning if you wanted to as long as you got the stuff done that you needed to do. Would you agree with that? Like if you really wanted to work. You yes, wanna, for, you didn't... The, for the most part. But again, we need to be here for clients. Oh, okay. So different. Like, so if, it's if I'm a little bit of both. event, right, I have to be at the event at the right time, you know. But in terms of emails or, you know, paperwork or mm -hmm. things that metrics that I need to hit, if I didn't want to do that at 10 p.m. and stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning doing go to bed, wake up late, that should be my choice, right? Sure. Yeah. But there's, so I think Tyler could probably speak to it better than I could based on he works here. What I try to do is I try and create an environment where you're only doing the stuff that you were hired to do. Mm. The way, and I'm not adding anything to your plate without asking you first and figuring out a way to compensate it. That's fair. Right? So fair. I'm not going to you and saying, hey, you have to now do all the invoicing. And also, you're not getting paid for that. You're just taking this on. Or I don't go to you and say, hey, I need you to train this person without you already being promoted to a position that yeah. has a raise with it and mm -hmm. comes with the 
the responsibility of being in charge of these folks. Again, I think you're a very kind, fair person when you're saying like what you're saying about people that work for you, 100%. So it's, it's really important to me that the people that work here love being here. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have that piece, what, you know, like, what are we doing? You know, why are you here? What's going on? Right. I mean, you, I mean, you saw my office. I have a pinball machine. I have jukebox. I have multiple arcade games. I have a full kitchen full of snacks and food. So I love that. I take everybody to lunch at least a couple times a month. I love it. That we go out and we just sit down and have lunch and shoot the shit and have a good time and laugh. We bust balls here all the time. I had somebody the other day ask me if I needed a human resources person, and I was like, fuck human resources. Yeah. I was like, I don't ever want a business where I have people working here yeah. that are not grown up enough to have a conversation right. about shit that hurts their feelings. Yeah, One, we shouldn't be doing shit to hurt each other's feelings. Everything should be known that it's a joke. Everything should be known that if we're joking, we're joking, right? And this needs to be a creative environment where joking is allowed. Mm -hmm. And if you can't handle that, then this isn't a good fit for you. Well, I think with creative creative environments, right, you're going to get, uh, well, let's go back to servers. Like, oh my God, like what we experienced when we were servers, um, you know, just the kitchen alone, like, you know, like that was just wild, right? And then you have you know, all of the drinking and everything else that goes on when you're a server and, you know, oh my gosh, imagine they had an HR person at, you know, the restaurant we worked at back in the day, you well, know, which they might know. high stress jobs, with high stress jobs, you need an outlet for the yeah. anger and for the anxiety. Yes. So you have to allow there to be, the line has to be farther. Yeah. The crossing of the line of inappropriate has to be farther. And that doesn't mean you're allowed to touch people. It doesn't mean you're allowed to make people uncomfortable. It doesn't mean you're allowed to be blatantly, overtly harassing human beings, whether it be sexual or otherwise. Mm -hmm. It just means that you have to understand that you're working in a high-stress environment, and people are going to respond emotionally to that stress. And when they do, it might come out in anger. It might come out in hurt. It might come out in loud voices. It might come out in inappropriate jokes, swearing, swearing, whatever the fuck happens in those moments is going to happen. And if you set the bar or draw the line so close to everybody that there's no wiggle room, Mm -hmm. then they're going to explode and they're going to be gone. And you could lose some of your best employees and some of your best people because they had a bad moment. Do you remember, I don't know, this may be similar for you, but when someone would come on to the team, you know, as a server and you could just probably right away spot, like that person's not going to make it. Yeah. You know, that's like this person may be a little too sensitive, like, or even, even worse mm. when you spot the person that's going to make your job even more difficult because they're going to complain about everything. This person is going to be offended and they're going to go to management over every comment. See, I I guess that's the person I think that (laughs) I would think wouldn't make it, you know, in terms of because. And back in the. The the environment. And back in the early 2000s and 90s, they would know. Yeah. But now. Well, now. Now they get to be in control. And now the people that make a joke all of a sudden 
are the enemy and all of a sudden are the worst people, right? And that's, Mm -hmm. for me, that's what's exciting about the podcast for me and with social media and the way that I can run my social outlets is that I can can put clips out that trigger people and fuck with people. Mm. And my clients all know that that's not, like they're taking the video out of context. Yeah. Like if you don't know me and you don't listen to this whole conversation, right? I'll put clips out that will trigger you. Yeah. Just because I know that's how to get engagement. Well, I mean, that's and then I'll I mean, engage. That's, that's like being on a reality television show, right? Right. Where you said what you said, you did what you did, um, but it may be cut and put into a way exactly. that. Uh, you have now been created a character right. or a storyline, you know? So. But that's all social media is. Social yeah. media is just reality TV. And you're either you're either watchable or you're not. Like, are you entertaining? Right. You know? Everybody has the opportunity to have millions of followers. Mm-hmm. It's just, are you able to be authentic? Are you able to be in the moment? Are you able to let your guard down? Will you put yourself out there? Will you put yourself out there? And are you, like, how much shit can you take? Like, how much abuse can you, like, I can take all the abuse. I don't get offended. I just don't. Can you hurt my feelings? Sure, maybe. And when you hurt my feelings, all I do is I talk to Tyler or my wife or somebody, and I'll just continuously, like, bring up the topic. Like coping mechanisms. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you hurt my feelings... I'm not offended, but I will probably talk to Tyler about it because he's the closest one to me at the office. I will probably talk to Tyler, and he could probably attest to this. Yeah, for weeks. Well, I think about he... a thing that happens, and I'll be like, "Can you believe this fucking thing?" And he'll—I mean, he'll—and he'll appease me. Yeah, but I'm just waiting for the day that he's like, "You know, that happened six weeks ago." Right. And but I'll it, be like, "Yeah, it, but still." It's interesting though, too. I think you know, thinking about if you know if something upsets you, I feel like also too, like you know, you could talk to your five friends that you have or your your coworkers or whoever you have maybe you have your core group of five people. friends five is a lot oh i mean you got a little core right like i feel yeah. like that's a core right so you'll go through by the time you get to the fifth one you feel better about what happened so maybe it's like what you're saying too where yeah. you know you talk to tyler about it a few times and then you talk to whoever else a couple of times your wife or you know and then all of a sudden you're like okay i'm at peace with that that's cool i'm gonna yeah. let it go I'm a firm believer that most people have like two really good friends. And then if you're married, you have your 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 spouse. And then you probably have one work person that you are safe to say pretty much whatever the fuck you want and know you're safe. Yeah. Right. So I guess that adds up to about four. Well But you your know. but your true rider dies, typically you have two, maybe three if you're lucky. Yeah, I feel lucky in that sense. I think growing up, though, I moved around so much as a kid. There were so many, I went to so many different schools. Probably didn't learn how to become friends with people until after I graduated from high school. Yeah. Uh, and then once I was in college, I was like, oh, I think I got this whole friendship thing down. And working in the restaurants yeah, definitely added to it. Um, but I think there was just something to be said about constantly moving growing up, which now has probably made me have a lot more friends that I probably would have had. Probably. You know. Do you have friends from childhood? I have a handful, like a couple. Like you said, like maybe like two or three. But now I feel like my friend group is pretty big. Yeah, I don't have any childhood friends. No, no. Like I, I, a couple from high school. Like, like I know people that have been friends since like school. elementary school. And I don't have that. 
because I moved And then around. I know that, like, and I have a couple from high school that I talk to. Yeah. But I don't know that I could call them up right now and be like, yo, I need 20 bucks and have them show up with 20 bucks. I could probably do that, but I feel like, you know, right now I have just such a core, like, friend circle yeah. that I could probably rely on that more. Right, exactly. And choose that over. But I, right. you know, at the same time, I could still probably. If Which is interesting. Case. I just made a post, actually. This is an interesting conversation because I saw a video and I didn't realize this. Did you know that the blood is thicker than water phrase is actually not what everybody uses it for? Tell me. I didn't see this. So blood is thicker than water is actually not the full phrase. And this feels like a really fucking ridiculous podcast moment. Pull it up. This, what do we got? But this literally feels like a podcast moment. We're like, yeah. did you know that? Like, but it's not. It's I really saw this video and I want to talk about it because we're talking about yeah. relationships. So the the phrase is actually, do you have it up? Is the blood of the coven oh. is thicker than the water of the womb. Meaning, oh, wow. meaning that's deep. That the chosen relationships are stronger than the relatives. Yeah. The people you're born with. Yeah. So when you say blood is thicker than water, that does not actually mean that your family matters more than your friends. Your friends. Right. Your friends actually matter more than your family. And I've always been a firm believer of this. So I used to tell people that that was a dumb fucking phrase. Yeah. And that it shouldn't be. Now I get to be really petty. And correct people. Yeah. Which I'm super excited about because I'm petty as fuck. But you're, So every time somebody looks at you and says, well, blood is thicker than water, I yeah. go, well, you're using the phrase wrong because yeah. you're a fucking idiot. But, you know, your friends are your chosen family. Sure. Right? So that's, you know, that's, that's but awesome. But I just right? like that that yeah. phrase is actually, incorrect. It's incorrect. People are just yeah. using it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it actually states that. Oh, you have it right there. It actually states that specifically. Mm-hmm. That the blood of the coven, meaning the blood of the people that you choose to be around, yes, is thicker than the water of the womb, which is the people you're birthed with. Wow, wow, deep. Which to I me like that. is well, it's just like the phrase "you can't have your cake and eat it too." That's actually not the way that phrase goes. Tell me, I need to hear this. You not can't too. eat this your cake. One oh one. Like the phrase is actually "you can't eat your cake and have it too." Okay. Meaning, if you eat your cake, it's going to be gone, so you can't have it. So if you say you can't have your cake and eat it too, you actually can. I can have my cake and eat it. Yeah. But you can't eat your cake and have it too. Wow. Is the actual yeah. way the phrase is supposed to go, which is another one where I get to be petty and correct. All people. the translations in the, you know, kind of how it all. I just like turn of phrases. Yeah. Because they're, for me, they're just, people get them wrong so often. Yeah. That you're just like, that's not, like, I'm a, like I said before, I'm a big words guy. Like, yeah. words matter. Stuff that makes you think. So when yeah. you choose, like, right? Yeah. So when yeah. you choose your words, choose them wisely. Totally. And then have them have purpose. Right? So I just think it's funny because we're talking about friendships and we're mm-hmm. talking about them being close and, you know, you have your core friends. And I've always said that the people I choose to be around are much more valuable and much more important than the people that I was born around. Make sure to come back for part two to hear the rest of this discussion.